0: Welcome to episode 184 of the Women of the Military podcast. This week my guest is Wendy Ray. Wendy served in the army and shared her experience of serving in the military and one of the parts that she really opened up about was having a miscarriage. Wendy really struggled when she had her miscarriage. The experience led her to hate her body and herself. She blamed herself for losing her child and struggled with the emotions that go along with having a miscarriage she tried to stuff that pain down but in the end finally reached out for help through the military one source crisis line there she was able to get help and move on I'm really glad that Wendy was able to share her story and be so open and honest about her experience, and I loved having a chance to be on her podcast, Beyond the Military Podcast for Military Women, and I will link to that episode in the show notes so you can check it out if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but let's get started with this week's interview. Welcome to the show, Wendy. I'm excited to have you on Women of the Military. After I was on Beyond the Military, I'm excited to have you here and get to share your story. So let's start with why did you decide to join the military?
1: Yeah, Amanda, thank you so much for having me. And so I really wasn't even um, interested in the military until my junior year in high school when I realized that I had nothing else to do for my electives as I was getting ready to graduate and really start applying for colleges cuz I I wanted to go to college I just didn't know for what and really didn't know where to start. I'm from a very small town in Florida and it was just very hard to plan and even consider any profession. So I then realized that there was this thing called JR OTC and I didn't realize that it was specifically, you know, to prepare you for leadership and even maybe join the military. So I was spontaneous. I was an only child at the time. Um, actually, my mom was about to have my little baby sister, but still grew up as an only child. And I'm like, what can I do that's different, challenging, and even you know mentally um, challenging, physically and mentally challenging. And so it was JROTC. And I signed up, and immediately I was like, whoa, why am I here? Like this is not for me. You know, too many rules, and I have to wear a uniform. And then within a week or, or so of actually taking the class, the actual elective, I realized that this wasn't too bad. And I'm like, oh, I'll consider it. And so I'm looking for colleges. I'm looking for things to do. And I get signed up because I was, um, I'm still pretty short, but I was pretty small and short at at the time. And they're like, oh no, we would love to have you on a ranger team because we need someone that's fast with, with the ropes. I can't remember now what the, what the ropes are, but I'm like, okay, I'll try it out. You know, if it's going to get me in shape, I'll do it. So fast forward, um, I fall in love with the program. You know, I get competitive. I'm a part of this team. I was really never into sports. So that's really when, you know, this whole teamwork started for me. And so I'm looking for colleges. I'm trying to figure my life out at 16 going into 17. And my first sergeant at the time, you know, JROTC, he said he was a retired army guy. And he was like, Hey, you know, have you considered a military college since you like, you know, this program a lot, JROTC, maybe you can actually go into an ROTC program and, you know, consider the military. And I'm like, that's a great point. No one in my family has joined the military. You know, talk to my parents about the military. They immediately said no. <laughs> I'm like, okay, That just because they said, no, I'm definitely going to find a way to get in. And so at that time, I didn't know. But I mean, I was really stubborn. And you know, when anyone was like, no, you can't do it. Because that's actually what my dad said. He's like, that's for boys. You are not a boy. You are, you know, you're a girl, you need to go, you know, figure something else out that you really think you're gonna do. And so for me it was kind of like, okay, this is a challenge and I love this team that I'm in. I love the program. I love everything that they're doing. So of course I then um find a recruiter within our mall area where, you know, all the recruiters will come and really want to recruit you, mainly the seniors. But at that time, this was two thousand seven, they were recruiting for the, I think it was called a split option. So long story short, I signed up, I convinced my dad, I sold him on this idea that it's going to be free college. And I was going to be, you know, very disciplined and all these things that came with the military. So after a couple months of the recruiter and I convincing my parents, he said, yes, he signed and I went off to basic training. But it really started because I wanted to do something different. I wanted to get out of my comfort zone. And, you know, my friend's didn't really approve of me leaving. They're like, Are you crazy? Like, are you going to be back before you graduate? And, you know, all these things and questions kept coming up. But honestly, it was the best decision I made back in 2007 because going to basic training was literally the best thing that happened to me, not only for my like self confidence, but for, you know, that young lady that was so lost and had no idea what I was getting into, or really what I wanted as a career. And again, coming from a very small town where, you know, high school graduation rate isn't that high. And even going to college is like very low, just because um, we're from a, you know, low income town. You know, I, you know, I'm just so thankful that my recruiter at the time, which he was also Hispanic, he's like, listen, I get it. Your parents are not going to understand you're a a girl, but let me talk to them and, you know, kind of show them the opportunities that are, that's available. And, you know, that was really helpful. So that's kind of how I started my journey on, you know, going into this whole new environment that was scary and challenging.
0: Yeah, there's so much to unpack, and it's crazy that you were like, oh, JROTC, I'll try that, and then it just opened the door to something new. And you said split op, and you also mentioned that you went to basic training, and that was between your junior and senior year of high school? Correct. So what was the contract that you got? You cause Did you do ROTC?
1: Yes. So the contract was reserves at first. I signed an eight year contract in the reserves, which included from it started when I uh, went to basic training. So on the weekends, when I came back from basic training, I was supposed to go to my unit and report to them once a month. And I did that. And that's when I realized and learned more about ROTC and what that consisted of, which by the way, I came in as a 92 golf, which is a cook in the army, food service specialist, because at the time I only had really three options. I could, any anything that I wanted to do had to be within eight weeks, I think no more than 10 weeks of actual individual training, because I was already within my contract, I had that I was going to college. So that was a, a, another great Um, Reason why I did the eight years reserve at the beginning or signed for the eight year reserves because I had a college within my contract. So then that would allow me to, you know, go the ROTC route if I decided, or just go to a four year college to begin with and then, you know, go from there. But senior year, I discovered Georgia Military College, which was a two year early commissioning program. And that's the school that I signed up for. I'm like, this is where I'm going and I want to commission and I want to go active duty. Like, that was my goal. From, from after high school.
0: Okay, so your contract was more that you signed up and then with the intention to go to college and it wasn't anything really related to ROTC and you ended up going to a military, Georgia Military Institute,
1: is that what you said? Uh, Georgia Military College, yes. And is it similar to the academy or is it more laid back? It's way more laid back um, because it, it's only a, it's a junior college and it's a two-year early commissioning program. So typically for any ROTC program, you go to this, I can't remember the name of it now, but I think it's changed either way, where they pretty much assess you on what you've learned in ROTC. And so everyone goes at like, I think junior and senior year, but with Georgia Military College, you go after your freshman year. So, you know, you're a freshman still going into your sophomore year. You're at camp and you get tested on everything, on land nav, you know, physical fitness, on your leadership. And so it was very challenging for me. But I think that that's really why, you know, why I signed up for that program specifically. And again, because it it just really um, inspired me to, you know, do more than the, the typical like RO2C cadet. And at the time, I'll be honest, I did not know about West Point. Again, I had no idea. I wish, again, I knew what I knew, know now. And you know another reason why I love, you know, what you're doing is because, you know, it's so necessary right now for young women to have mentors that have been in the military, or at least be able to seek someone for information you know, especially if it's not readily available or they don't have access to it, you know, where where they are. Because some some of these gals come from a very small school too, kind of like I did.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't know a lot about the military either when I joined. And I think that's probably why I'm on this path to help people as they join because I remember what it was like to not know anything. And to, like you saying, I didn't know about West Point. I'm like, I know what that's like. And my one of my really good friends went to West Point but I didn't understand like what that meant like I knew it was a big deal cuz they had like assembly and they talked about how important it was but I was just kind of like okay like I don't know why he's doing that and even though I was around it I still didn't really quite understand it and it wasn't until I was in college that I learned about ROTC and then did that but that sounds like such an interesting program and so when you graduated after the two years you commissioned and did you have your associates?
1: Yes. So we had to have an associates in order to commission. And we also had to have a school, four-year school university that we could go into to finish our bachelor's. And then we had um, a total of five years to finish our bachelor's. So if you know, it took you two years to be your associates. You don't have three years to finish your bachelor's, which typically, you know, we finish within four years. And, you know, thankfully I was able to finish at my fourth year and then um, get assessed in my third year, or really after my first year of going to University of North Georgia, which is another military college. Then you get assessed and they let you know, you know, what branch you get, where you're going and if there are any other schools that you are able to take or you know go on as you are you know going to your duty station. And do they pay for your schooling while you're going to school? So here so this was the the trick, right? At the time I didn't really again know as much. So because It was a two year program. My ROTC scholarship only covered the first two years. So that was really, you know, where I wish I would have done more research. Um, But thankfully, again, I did have, you know, GI Bill and I also did have a scholarship prior to actually joining the military. But that's really what helped me, you know, kind of. Be okay with the other two years. Um, But I will say, you know, I did. Once I um, commissioned, I immediately got a job for my third and fourth year because, I mean, just gas alone, my groceries, I had to pay, you know, for my room and board. So it, it was a lot of expenses that I had to cover on my own. And then sometimes even like my books because only tuition would be covered. I think my GI Bill covered a portion for my books, but. I was taking four or five classes. So I think that was another reason, you know, why I had to work. I I remember having two jobs um, at one point because I wanted to make sure that I was, you know, okay financially, but at the same time, you know, focused on my work. So I was, you know, since I can remember, I was always, you know, working, studying or doing, you know, vice versa. But, you know, again, I'm grateful for those times because it really helped me you know, really be a part of this military community when I went active duty. But yeah, no, it was it was um, two years it was covered. And then the other two, I pretty much kind of came out of pocket and, you know, books and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I think that's like one of the good things about how the post Nine Eleven GI Bill has changed that it like gives you rent because just having your education bills paid for like at the university doesn't really make it practical to go to school. You still have like other expenses. And so I that's what I like about the new GI Bill.
1: Yeah, no, that that's really good too.
0: And now that it doesn't expire, that's a nice thing too. <laughs>
1: I know, right. Yeah. No, yeah, I wish I would have if I would have had that before, that would have been great. But you know, after of course we, we did have that as well, which is, you know, the best thing the military has done or DOD has done with supporting education. And like you said, especially that now it doesn't even inspire. So that's even a lot better.
0: Yeah, for sure. So eventually you graduated and then
1: you commissioned and you went active duty. And what was that experience like? I went active duty a little bit later than I wanted to. And it was for a good reason. Um, So my senior year, my husband and I got married. And the reason we did that, we kind of like planned it all out. Um, So we met at Georgia Military College. We pretty much you know, like started a relationship when we first met. And at first I'm like, oh, you know, he's a great guy. Not sure if this is, you know, I don't think I'm going to prioritize a relationship over my career. Right. So I was kind of like, okay, we, we can make this work. But then our third year, we're like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. Like we're going to go off and we're never going to see each other again because, you know, with the military, right? He was also uh, military. He had um, actually commissioned as a logistics officer. And so we got to a point where we're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, we had this conversation at like 20 and he's like, do you want to marry me? And I'm like, "Um, I don't know (laughs) because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't thinking about settling down and I'm like I want to make the military my career and so we had I don't know we're like we've been very mature since the very beginning it's so funny because we always like joke about this but we're like we're like uh, we were like 20 year olds and like 30 year old bodies but we just had this conversation and it you know I'm like yeah I think I think this is it like you know I'm in love and anyways long story short we decided to get married and you know shortly after We weren't planning it by the way. I'm pregnant. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm working. I'm a waitress. You know, we're we're both working at Polo, the the clothing store. And we're like, oh my gosh, like this is actually happening. What are we gonna do? Like the military. So anywho, thankfully, you know, my professors were very understanding because I I graduated in May and my daughter was due in June. But in April, you know, we have all exams and I'm like literally like eight months and I'm struggling and I'm like, I don't think I'm gonna be able to finish this. So I pretty much, you know, go through all my classes, we graduate, but I can't go active duty until six months after she's here, you know, because of the whole, you know, the leave and making sure that you have, now we're both dual military. So we literally go active duty the day that my daughter is born. And we literally said this. um, So we get to Virginia, we were at Fort Lee, and I was pregnant. And my husband was supposed to start work the day that my daughter was born. And we literally joked and we're like, watch her get here when you start work. And, you know, because we, we knew we were going to have her in June. So she got here a couple weeks early. And so he took me to the hospital at like 9 PM and he had PT, his PT test, his initial, like actual physical test the morning of her being born. And so to this day, we're like, yeah, of course she got here at the right time. So she was born then. So I had to wait a couple months to go back to duty, which was great. You know, I got to spend some time with her when she was a baby, but then I immediately, you know, had to leave her behind because of my actual basic officer um, leadership training. So I did that and um, it was, it was different. You know, it, it was a lot different than what I had imagined just because I felt like I I wanted to do more, but I couldn't. And by that, I mean, um, mentally and emotionally, I I wanted to be with my daughter. I wanted to be with, you know, with my family. Um, But thankfully, I was able to immediately, um, you know, have women that were moms within my leadership, within my chain of command. And they were very, very supportive with, listen, you know, you're a new mom. It's okay if you don't get everything right you know, the first year, but, you know, this is what I recommend you to do. And, you know, that was really, really helpful because I don't think I would have made it my first year. Um, and by that meaning at Fort Bragg, because I, I we were stationed at Fort Bragg, both of us. And with Fort Bragg, you know, there's the 82nd Airborne Division, 18th Airborne Corps, and we were both in 82nd Airborne Division. So it was, you know, training all the time, Long days. So, you know, being able to have someone, you know, have another woman um, and one of them, she was a command sergeant major. She was an E-9. So she, she had been in for almost 20 years and, you know, she, Her giving me this advice, you know, when I was like 24, 25, you know, was the best thing that I received because it was hard. I mean, it was really hard my first year, still trying to, you know, define myself as a mom and define myself as a first lieutenant at the time, because since I commissioned early, my time started when I commissioned. So I went in as a first lieutenant, but that was the bad part because everyone expected me to know more to, you know, I don't want to say be more, but to be a more experienced lieutenant. And so, you know, going in as an O2, I'm like, well, I literally just got here six months ago. And I'm understanding the army. I'm understanding my job. And at the same time, you know, I'm trying to get back home to pick up my infant baby because, yeah, she was almost one. But yeah, I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot for my husband. It was a lot for both of us. We both had our hands full. And I think he and I, every time we go back and talk about this, we're like, man, if we made it through that, we can make it through anything, honestly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot of change to deal with, especially joining the military. My husband and I, we didn't have kids for six years and we were both active duty and like dual military was hard and we didn't have any kids. And then when I got pregnant, we were like, yeah, I'm going to leave because this is really hard. So I can't even imagine.
1: Yeah, there are so many couples too that I'm like, how do you guys make it? so long one of we met through seeing each other at daycare and this couple i mean they've been together for i mean a long time and they're actually going to retire in the next year or two and they've been doing military and i'm like how do you do this like it's so hard and you know one of the responses that i have received is that you know they they both want to be in the military and you know that i think that that is what's required right you 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 want to keep your heart in it. And, you know, for me, I think it was, I realized that I wasn't, I don't want to say not having fun, but I just didn't see myself growing in the way that I wanted to. So I think that's when I'm like, okay, I rather, you know, do it now than, you know, grow into this leader that you know, I don't want to be, right? Because I think you and I would agree, you know, I don't care what branch you're in, there's always going to be good and there's going to be bad leaders, right? And I just didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be this, you know, leader that just, you know, hated her career or didn't do any, you know, um, of service to their soldiers. So for me, it was just, you know, this is the time for me to pull the plug And I think you pretty much called it at the right time when you're like, okay, this is hard. And I know probably for you or for really anyone, you didn't leave because it was hard. It was just something that you had to prioritize. Right. And I think that for me, that's kind of how it was too. I had to prioritize what I could handle at that time. And that was, you know, my family everyone's going to have different things happening in their lives. Like I I believe in like everyone goes through a different season at different times. And so I think for me, it was that season of like, okay, Wendy, you have to decide now, or it's just going to be decided for you. And I just wanted to do it on my terms, you know, in a way where I felt it was not only a good time, but also a time for me to evolve and kind of be okay with the unknown, because that's really what it is when you're getting out.
0: Yeah. And how many years did you serve in the military before you got
1: out? Five years active and then five years reserves prior to, you know, with school and going to drone and everything before getting a Fort Bragg. So a total of 10, but five active duty. And most of them were at Fort Bragg.
0: And you were a mom (laughs) those five years. Yeah. Before we switch to your transition story, do you have any other experiences that you want to highlight from your time on active duty?
1: Yeah, you know, thank you, Amanda, for allowing me to do this. And, you know, one of the things that I've been, you know, talking recently to other women, and um, as you know, I'm, I'm a coach, and I have specialized primarily in emotional well being. And, you know, how do we overcome challenges emotionally, right? Because I think most of us can endure a lot. But There are going to be challenges or obstacles that we sometimes feel like we can't get over or we think that is something that, you know, we can't erase or we just can't really let go. And for me, it was this challenge in 2013 where, you know, my husband and I had actually had a miscarriage at 20 weeks and it was detrimental to, I mean, to all of us, to our family, because At that time, you know, not only are we in the military, you know, working really hard and taking care of our daughter, but we really had um, this idea of, you know, identifying or defining ourselves as like good parents, right? Like we, I think we all as humans want to be the best parent, want to be the best leader. We want to be the best husband, the best wife. And I think for us, or more specifically for me as a woman, I felt that I had failed at, being one a mom, two a wife, and, and three you know as a leader because it all happened so quickly. And at that time, I didn't know this, but I was being really hard on myself. I beat myself up every day because I was thinking, you know, I could have prevented this. This this could have been prevented, you know. And I kept blaming myself, and I was self loathing. And so much of my my actual suffering that I had um, that had happened really. And, you know, also being a believer now and and before, not, not that I wasn't, but I really wasn't, I didn't have a relationship with God. And so looking back, you know, for any of you ladies out there, you know, that have suffered, maybe not specifically with a miscarriage or, you know, with a loss, but really with something that's been meaningful that has affected you and your family, maybe a divorce, maybe, you know, you've lost someone. You know, to suicide, someone that you've, you know, lost in a relationship, right? It could, it could just be as simply as not having your family in your life anymore, right? I think, you know, being in the military, that's one of the other challenges that we have. We get isolated from our families, not because we want to, but because it's just the nature of the beast, right? We deploy, we are in training for so long and we're not, you know, at the family events like we used to all the time. So, you know, whatever that may be for you, um, what I you know want to encourage you to, you know, really focus on is one, you know, knowing that this is life, right? Like we're going to have obstacles. Something is going to happen. We're going to lose people, especially in the field that we're in, right? We deploy. We know that, you know, we may not make it back. Or, you know, relationships. Yeah, we all want to be married and stay married forever and be happily ever after. But there will be, you know, separations. There will be divorce. And, you know, in the military, the rates are pretty high too. So you know, not beating yourself up for the things that you can't control. And I know that for me, that's what it was at the time. I thought I could control it, but I couldn't, right? Like I I did everything the doctors told me. I did everything that was recommended at home, you know, from, by my husband. He was always there, supportive. Um, I'll help you. And, you know, yeah, if you want to go for a walk, go for a walk, whatever you need to get done. And all of these things that I thought in my head that had caused my miscarriage. But at the end of the day, it was just something that was supposed to happen. And it happened to me. And really, what I want to express here is that, again, focusing on what you can control, and then also being okay to seek help, right? At that time, I was not okay with that. I'm like, I'm an officer, who am I to go and get therapy about this? Like, I don't have time for that. And oh, by the way, I want to be an example for my soldiers. Like, I don't want to sit here and just cry and, you know, do all these sad things. I want to just forget it and move on and go back to work. Like that's all I wanted. And I wish somebody would have like, you know, pulled me to the side and been like, Hey, when do you need to take care of you? Which I think they tried, but at that time I was so stubborn and I'm like, no, I've got this. I'm okay. I don't need therapy. I am going to be fine. And so what I did at that time, I buried all the negative emotion And I kept it like underneath the water. My emotions were this ball, this beach ball that I pushed down underneath the water in a pool for a very long time. And a very long time for me was almost over a year. While I was doing that, I hated myself as as an individual. I hated myself as a mom. I hated myself as a wife. I beat myself up every day as a leader. Like, you should, you know, you shouldn't have done this. And I just could not even bear to see myself in the mirror because I felt so worthless. And thankfully um, I got to a point where I felt so bad and just, I mean, I went to like, went through this emotional like black hole and I was like, okay, I think this is it. Like it's either me calling military one source or I'm just not gonna be able to like show up to work, you know, without breaking down, like without completely because I, I was just so like I felt like I was choking. Like I just felt so, I don't know, like I I couldn't breathe anymore because I was holding all of it in. And so again, thankfully, you know, they connected me with a therapist and, you know, that's where I I mean I mean, I cried every session. I told her everything. And, you know, thankfully, she was really good at what she did. And, you know, she connected me with other specialists, you know, that really specialize in miscarriages and, you know, the very, you know, professional, professional people that understand um, what that really looks like, because it's a loss you know, you don't see coming, especially when you're 20 weeks, you're like, oh, I'm planning for, you know, the the room, everything that all the logistics that come with it, the name and all of that. So anywho. um, Yeah. And after that, I, I realized I started taking baby steps on, you know, how am I going to get better from this? How am I going to forgive myself? One, that I had treated myself so badly. And two, you know, how am I going to be able to express myself and talk about this to other women? Because I think um, for me, I just felt really alone. And at the time, I didn't know this, but I was just blaming everyone, myself, you know, the military. I I was blaming everything that was that was involved at the, during that time. And it just didn't help. I just became another person. I just became very focused on, you know, mission and career because that was the only way that I would somehow forget. Cause even going home, like I would sometimes cry on the way home cause I'm like, I'm not, I'm not deserving to be a mother. Like my two year old shouldn't have to, you know have this person that can't take care of herself, you know, be, be mom. Yeah. I mean, going to therapy changed everything. And then I got coaching because I felt that I needed a way to manage that negative emotion when it did come up. Because I mean, it's like any other loss, right? You'll have those moments when you're like, oh, you know, I remember those dark days. I remember, you know, how it felt. And yeah, so again, just seeking help, I think is the number one thing.
0: Yeah, that sounds so hard. And I think that a lot more people are talking about miscarriage today than they were 10 years ago. And just even getting mental health help, like when I got home from my deployment, it was like, everyone was like, you have to be okay. And like, you went and saw all the doctors, but you knew how to answer their questions because you didn't want to be the person. And like, it's like the military knew that there was something wrong, but they also weren't addressing it in the right way because I actually opened up and told the tech what I was experiencing and she turned around and told me you need to tell the doctor that and I was like oh crap and then I didn't tell the doctor and I was like even today I feel there was a disservice because I opened up to her because she was a woman and she should have told the doctor I should have had to repeat it like if she why'd she ask me those questions
1: right yeah
0: and, like, why didn't she give the doctors a heads up? Like, she needs to tell you something, but... And if she doesn't, you need to be like, no, the tech told me something. And so I think, yeah, and, like, once she told me, like, oh, you need to tell... I was like, I'm not telling the doctor that because then I'll be weak and, like, then it'll be and so. I think it's really hard. In the military, there's a stigma, like, everyone has to be okay. And, like, I got therapy last year for my deployment, which happened 10 years before. And it was definitely needed, even though I'd gotten a lot of mental health help before then. The one-on-one therapy was really helpful. I liked your beach ball, where it's like you took all your emotions in a ball and you just pushed it under water. I was like, oh, I know what that feels like. because, And it was something totally different. It was like the anger and stress from my deployment. But I, instead of dealing with that anger, I just was like, I'm just going to push it down under the water and then I won't see it and it won't bother me. And no, it still bothers you.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. Like we think that because we don't see it, it's not there, but it's there. And we're just reacting into, you know, like that emotion with other people around us. And it's something that, you know, it, it's kind of hard to not see. But again, I think as the people or the individuals reacting, we don't see it because it's become kind of like our norm. So, yeah, you're, you're completely right on, um, you know, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there.
0: Yeah, I always say that before I started getting help through my mental health journey, it was like I was in a dark room, but I'd been in the dark room so long, I didn't know it was dark. And then I started to get help. And I was like, Oh, it's really dark in here. And it's like light over there. And like, it was just crazy. Because like you said, like, you're just living your life and you just think that's normal. And then you find out, oh, this isn't normal. And I'm really hurting and I need to like take care of this thing that's hurting me. Between the year of like when I started getting help and I was like, it went from being like walking around the dark and like bumping into everything to being able to actually see what was going on and to be able to find that healing.
1: Exactly. Yes. 100%. Like you said, um, you're like, it's so dark in here now. <laughs> that That's exactly it. Like I started to see my life differently. I started to look at my soldiers differently because before I felt like I thought in my head I was doing it for them, but I was really doing it for me. I was trying to, you know, distract myself from my negative emotions from what was really happening at home. And instead, I'm like, no, 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 I'm there for my soldiers. I'm, you know, focused. We're getting everything ready. It has to be perfect. And we're going to be the best unit, yada, yada, yada. But that's, that wasn't the reason. (laughs) The reason was I needed an escape. And that was my escape.
0: Yeah. And it's May. So it's Mental Health Awareness Month. And last year, I did an interview with Cohen Veterans Network, which is who I got my counseling through. And I'll link to it in the show notes because it's so important to talk about mental health and to have conversations like this so that people know that they're not alone and that there is healing and that taking that first step, which I'm not gonna lie, it's so scary to like actually take the first step, but it's so worth it.
1: Yes. Yeah. And you're right, Amanda. I mean, no matter how long it's been, if you haven't addressed it, Highly recommend that you do, especially if you're still active duty. And even if you're not, like the veteran has a veteran crisis line, which again, I use at the time because I was active duty, the military one source. But yeah, it it's the best thing that you can do, not only for yourself, but for others that you love around you, because you may not think that they see it, but it's, it's there.
0: Yeah. So you said that you felt like you just didn't want to stay in the military. And so you were at the five-year point and you made the decision to leave the military. So what was the transition experience like? I know you said there was a lot of unknown. So what was that like?
1: Yeah. So I was at Fort Drum when I made a decision that you know, it was time for me to go. And not because I wasn't having fun. I think I still loved what I was doing there. And I did really enjoy, you know, Fort Drum in general, not necessarily the, the negative 30 degree weather, um, but really just the people and everything behind that, like the goals that they had um, when they came to training and just so many great things happening at the time. But because of how, you know, my family was already at the time, my husband had recently been medically retired. He he got injured in um, one of his shoulders um, during a jump. So he was medically retired. And then um, my daughter was going into kindergarten the next year. And I'm like, okay, here it's coming. Like, you know, grade school, what are we going to do? And is this something that I want to do for the next, you know, 15 years? And the answer was no. So when the answer was no, that's when like fear immediately came up. I'm like, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? Right? Like he's medically retired, you know, yes, he can find a job, but the question is where, where are we going to relocate? You know, because there's so many questions, right? Like picking a location. I mean, we've been, you know, moving since the military, really since college. And so it's kind of like, okay, now we have to decide in one specific area and then we have to apply only to that area. And you know, pray that we get a job somewhere. And it just was, there was so much, you know, to consider and not knowing, right? We, we knew nothing about corporate America. We knew nothing about the business world. We knew nothing about what opportunities were available. All we knew was HR and logistics because that's what we did. And so our family members, um, his family is actually military my family was back in Florida and they knew nothing about the business world um even though I will say my dad did own his small business but nothing about corporate america so i kind of felt like i was back at square one you know as a 17 year old like really trying to figure out what i wanted to do with my life you know besides you know taking care of the kids and you know being mom and you know i even thought about going back to school um even though i had just finished my master's degree like i'll go get another masters but then i realized okay now you're just again avoiding the, you know, finding an escape to really come to this idea of what you want to do. And so thankfully, I found a really great, an individual that was with me at the, um, like the Soldier Support Center back in um, Fort Drum. And they're like, oh, yeah, you should consider this, this and this. And these are the opportunities. I think he was already like with, he was planning on getting out like a year and a half earlier. So he had done a lot of research and I was at like six months. Like I was going to be out in like less than six months. So I started later um, because I was so stuck on, am I getting out? Am I not getting out? So yeah, it was scary, but um, I did, you know, find... Resources, did a meet up with people to help me. I signed up for every program, Onwards Opportunity, Hiring Heroes. I mean, anything that was available at that time, I was pretty much signed up for. And also, even the um, small business because I knew that I wanted to do something else other than just having a job. And for me, it was coaching because the coach that I had when I that I had hired you know, years prior, I'm like, this is what I want to do because I always wanted to be a coach. I just didn't, or a life coach. I just didn't really know it was a thing. You know, I'm like, is it something that people are doing? And, and long story short, I I actually, you know, I got certified as I was getting out or immediately when I um, started my terminal leave, I enrolled in my certification. So knew that I wanted to do that, but it was difficult because I think for me more specifically, I, I didn't know if I wanted to play more of the role of a mom, or am I going to really start a brand new career? And so for me, you know, the answer was very clear, especially after talking to my husband, he's like, you should really take a break, like just relax, you know, be mom. And he's like, I've got this. But you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, I know, you know, thank you. But I also want to do something different. You know, I want to be able to do something on my own. And I think being that I've always been this person that's been like, quote unquote, independent, or um, just, you know, strong willed at doing different things that are not, you know, normal, I guess. I really told them, you know, like, I appreciate, you know, you being very supportive, but I also want, you know, to do my own thing and, you know, kind of figured out where I wanted to work for a little bit. And and then, you know, start my coaching and and yeah that's that's what I did, and you know so far, I'm just always happy to you know help out anyone that I know that's active duty, you know that I met when we were working together back for bragg or for drum. I'm like, listen, the opportunities and possibilities out there are endless, so much you can do
0: it's so true, and I think. When I left the military, like I was planning to be a stay-at-home mom, but I felt this passion to do something else, and that was why I started a blog, and now I have my podcast, and I had a book coming out in the fall, and it was like, I love being a business owner because I can set my hours and set my flexibility so that I can be both a mom and still have something for me, and so I love that you found something that worked for you so that you could do what you wanted. I think sometimes we get stuck in the military and we're like, oh, this is all there is. And then it's like, no, that's just like a tiny little, that's like one thing that you can do. And there's so much more that you can do after.
1: 100%. Yeah. And I think it's because we get so focused on that one area, which, you know, it's a beautiful thing, right? Again, I would never change my military career over anything. And you know, I, I love and enjoy meeting other military people, right? I don't care what branch you're in or what service you are a part of. I think we all have this common selflessness and just way of um, doing things. And I think that, um, you know, that that is a valuable thing that you can take on and do elsewhere. Corporate America really needs us in really any field, right? Even the business sector, I think military veterans are very successful with businesses because of, you know, what it takes, right? You, you have to be an overcomer. Like you have to be willing to go through so many challenges. I mean, mentally, emotionally, because every person is going to have a different experience with their business. I mean, you know, you can be like, Hey, Wendy, this is what you need to do to have a successful podcast. And I do all the things that you tell me, but it may not work. And then I'm like, oh no, like this was my map. This was my guide. And now here I am at square one and it didn't work. Right. And I think that that's really what a business is. You have to, there's so many ways, so many ways. Um, you just have to find what works for you. And, you know, with that, that's exactly how the transition is, right? You could tell me, Wendy, this is what I did for my transition. Like you should do all, you know, a, B, C, D, e, F, G. But then I may do the exact same thing, but really, maybe, you know, ZYX was the way for me. And, you know, I think that when we can be okay with finding out along the way, you know, kind of like flying the plane as you're building it, I think is what we really need to understand that every transition is going to be different.
0: Yeah, and I think that's part of what's wrong with the TAP program is they kind of put it like do a b c and d and then you'll be successful and it's like that only works for some people and it doesn't work for everyone and everyone's situation is different well i really enjoyed getting to hear your story and i'm so glad we got to talk about um, mental health because it's a topic that i'm very passionate about and i always like to end each interview with what advice would you give to a young lady who's considering joining the military
1: yeah well Thank you, Amanda, for allowing me to you know give you my two cents on that, because again, as I look back at Wendy when she was 17 years old, I think this is where my feedback is coming from to really, you know do your research and in a way where you know you need the most um, support. So for example, a young 17 year old guy would not need you know the support that you may need as a 17 year old young lady, right? Because we all have different goals either way. But what I mean by that is, you know, identifying, you know, what's the hard part for you? You know, what is it that, or what's the reason that may be holding you back from joining, right? For me specifically, it was my culture. My parents are Guatemalan and they're very close. I mean, we were very, very close. And so for me, it was the, the connection, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to leave my parents behind. You know, they're not going to survive without me. Again, my mom was, you know, having her, uh, my little sister, her second child at the time. And I just felt that I, you know, I was leaving them behind. So, you know, whatever that may be for you, right? If it's family connection, if it's, you know, the physical aspect. Let's just say you've never you've been physically, you know, um challenged, you know, through, you know, different obstacles or just running, if that's the thing that you're like weak in, you know, really seek out mentors or seek out, you know, on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a beautiful tool to have now, especially for the young community. I mean, social media is like their Google. So, you know, reach out to people that are in the military now or Even just, you know, within the school that you're looking to go to, or if you're just trying to go, you know, basic training first and enlisted, that's fine too. You know, seeking out um, to recruiters that can help you really uh, reach out to other women that are in the military within that field that you want to go into. So really just research. Um, you have so much information right now. And I know, Amanda, you're working on you know the mentorship stuff. And I mean, I think downloading your PDF would be also step two, because again, there's so much out there now that wasn't available you know like 10 years ago so being able to do that and, and again being very specific on your weakness or where you know whatever that may be that that is holding you back again for me it was the whole family thing um not knowing how to survive without my parents so yeah whatever that looks like for you and really just seeking and being okay with asking for help um, because again i think that's something that we don't do a lot as well
0: yeah. And you signed up to be a mentor on my mentorship program. And so if you're looking for advice, there's people like Wendy who you could talk to. And my book is coming out in the fall, September 13th, a Girl's Guide to Military Service. And I'll link to that in the show notes too. Thank you so much for being a guest. I really have appreciated your time and
1: getting to hear your story. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Amanda, for having me. And thank you everyone for tuning in today. I am just so happy that I was able to share, you know, just even if it was a a nugget of encouragement. And thank you so much again, Amanda, for everything that you're doing for our women community, and even now for our young ladies that are wanting to join the military.
0: For listening to this week's episode. If this is your first time listening to Women of the Military podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other episodes on the podcast. There are so many episodes and stories of women who've served in the military who can inspire you at whatever stage of the journey you're in, joining, serving, leaving the military, or just learning about the women who have served in the military. If you want to support Women of the Military podcast, you can go to patreon.com. Slash /women of the military and if you enjoyed women of the military podcast please leave a review on your favorite podcast app to help the podcast grow and reach more women who are considering military service